Hello, and welcome back to But I'm a Professional. This is the podcast where we, against all odds, try to be well while working well. My name is Nancy Elizabeth, and I'm here to help. Thanks for joining. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about 10 years of you. Imagine, we're probably going to need more time. And as always, if you find this podcast useful in any way, shape or form, please do share the link to the episode on your socials. Uh, Also consider following me on Twitter at but I'm a profesh and uh, and or going to patreon.com slash Nancy Elizabeth. Uh, where you'll be able to find additional resources and links and such to uh, help continue you a little bit further along on your journey towards your best professional self. All right, let's get started. So I suppose a a bit of background where this idea came from um, is actually two things that happened. On Instagram, somebody posted a picture um, of themselves, a friend of mine, uh, and said, you know, captioned 20 year, 20 year old me, lol, you know, and of course it was, it was very lol. Um, you know, they had the required or expected, I should say, sartorial and, um, hair style choices of, um, well, of an individual who's only been alive for 20 years, I suppose. Um, And I'm sure everybody, all their friends uh, commented as I did about, you know, what did we know when we were in our 20s and that sort of thing. Um, And whether that meant how we dressed ourselves or, you know, what career choices we made. Um, Yeah, it kind of, it got me thinking. Uh, The other thing was I had a conversation recently with uh, another friend about the kinds of questions that we hear in an interview and that question that you you're often asked where do you see yourself in 10 years that combined with um thinking about myself a while back sort of put me in the headspace of thinking about these chunks of time and and how we think about them and how we think about ourselves or how we don't think about them and is there any way that we can think about those things in a way that's a little bit more, um, I don't know, directed or skillful perhaps, uh, to put it to some use in our personal stroke professional development. So with that sort of background story, let me ask you, dear listener, a couple of questions. Question the first, where was your head at when you were in your twenties? Um, if you can remember it, uh, what were you spending most of your time and your, and your energy on? Um, God, can you even remember your twenties? I'm not sure I want to. Yeah. I, I don't think I can accurately remember my twenties. It was, it was too long ago. Do you know, there's this exercise that therapists use a lot, um, to build self-compassion and self-awareness. And uh, the exercise goes, you know, roughly something like this. Um, You think, or actually most of the time you write about um, a time in your childhood or you write to yourself in your childhood. Okay. And so 
in my experience doing this in therapy, depending on the purpose of the exercise, you might be you might be thinking about a time when um, it was, especially if it's in your childhood and it's related to some sort of, you know, um, um, way to overcome trauma. You think about your time, a, a time in your childhood when you were scared or you were hurt, and then you engage in various interactions with the you child in order to work through some of that trauma or to to uproot some of the the um how should we call them uh unskillful cognitive habits that you've built up right so that type of exercise is really helpful in like i said building your self-compassion because you get to go back and see yourself as a child and see those things happening to you and you were doing the best you could as a kid with a kid brain and a you know kid's understanding of the world that huge amount of vulnerability that you have as a child and that huge need for for support because you just you literally can't do things on your own as as human children cannot um so yeah you you get a, i suppose an opportunity to reframe some of the things that you struggle with now because you better understand how those tracks got laid down and how they got you know how they were deepened over time um by by sort of um adding to them in different ways um so anyway all all this to say that you know those kind of exercises that you do in therapy sometimes are are really really helpful in better understanding uh, parts of you that that function in the here and now and what sort of led you to this place right um and so that that kind of you know that kind of makes me wonder well why why are we not doing that more frequently and and in a broader variety of ways like why is that not a common approach to understanding you know how we function at work for example and I so I mean that's not that's probably not entirely fair I don't know perhaps you are consistently engaging in a reflective practice about you know where your head was 10 years ago and perhaps this consistent practice um, actively helps you shape how you traverse your current situations in the workspace in a very skillful way um, but probably not because you know most of us are just trying to get through the week actually I'm sure that all of you are doing that all of the time. I'm sure everything's going awesomely, just like I'm doing that all the time and everything's going awesomely for me. The end. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Okay, it's probably not happening all the time and probably not going awesomely. So, okay, that's that's the sort of the the um the framework for for um what we're talking about in this episode today, that idea of thinking of ourselves in um, in the past, say 10 years ago and, um, trying to develop a sense of, or improve, I suppose, our sense of self-compassion and our, our self-awareness, um, in order to more skillfully deal with what is happening in the here and now. Okay. So, you know, as always, you, probably at that point in the podcast where you think, well, what, what does this have to do with my working self, and my professional self? Well, many things actually. Um, I suppose, okay, let's start from the perspective of, um, what I was saying earlier about the, the interview question that we often hear. 
it's really common to hear that question, where do you see yourself in, in five years or where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I mean, I personally think that question is inane. I mean, granted, I think a lot of questions that are often used in interviews are absolutely useless and they don't really help anyone in knowing whether, you know, the candidate is a good fit uh, for the role or, or not. That, you know, it doesn't really tell you a, a terrible amount of anything. Um, actually, do you know what really burns me? This, this cover letter idea. Like, who came up with the idea that you have to write a letter to a prospective employer who, um, it, you know, and in that letter, you have to sort of, you have to explain how, how great you are and how wonderful you would be for this, this role. And please pick, I mean, the employer is the one who, who needs someone. Shouldn't they be writing letters to us? Ugh. It seems like such an undertaking and, and such a huge effort to go through in order to produce something that is probably not terribly true, first of all. Secondly, I'm not sure anybody reads them. And third, um, if you are reading them, are you, are, you know, do you believe what they say? I just, I don't know. Can we, can we all collectively come together and decide that cover letters are stupid and we need to stop doing it? Anyway, I'm sure I wasn't talking about cover letters. No, I was talking about interview, interview questions. Anyway, um, I would say rather than the, the, you know, where do you see yourself in 10 years question, I think sometimes it's a lot more helpful to ask yourself Never mind interviews. Ask yourself a version of that question, but going in the opposite direction. So where where do you see yourself? Where did you see yourself 10 years ago? Okay. All right. So let's let me give you a real time, real life example. And while I'm doing that, I want you to take a minute and go on a quick stroll. Not quick, nope. I want you to go on a slow and steady stroll through your memory palace all the way back to August 2011. August 2011. Okay, I'll admit, I I engaged in this exercise and I couldn't actually remember where I was and what I was doing. Um, some of you who know me know that I tend to move every two years, three years maybe. And so sometimes I get my dates mixed up and where in the world I was living at the time of whenever. Um, so I had to go into my email and type in that date and read some of the emails that I was sending at that time to work out where the hell I was. You know, go into my Gmail, put in the dates and search it and then read through, oh God, a 10 year old version of me who just... You know, when you go back and you read something, whether it's your old journals or your old emails or whatever, and you just think, ugh, cringe. Also, like a, with a healthy dose of like, oh, bless, you know what I mean? Like you were doing the best that you that you could do with what you had at the time. Anyway, I felt a lot of that. But it, but yeah, so I was I was working in Seoul in South Korea. I was working for a oh god, I think it was a privatized university research and development department, working with a very small team, and we were um, writing and, and developing a textbook series on task based learning uh, for uh, like I think it was high school age students. Um, to you know uh, uh, an English language textbook and I you know 
as far as the work goes, I really don't remember much of it. I remember hating the office. I remember that everybody was really, um, everybody worked all the time and there was a lot of like, um, you know, sort of bench warming. Um, there was a lot of like performative stuff going on at work where people weren't actually working, but they would like, you know, stay there for really long hours to look like they were working really hard, quote unquote. And I hated it. Um, I also remember getting yelled at by the boss and telling us that, you know, we needed to make more money. Otherwise, we weren't going to get paid and stuff like this, which obviously is fairly drastic and, you know, it was illegal and all that sort of thing. But I just, I, oh, God, I hated that environment so much. I was so unhappy. And like, you know, having real epiphanies, um, because I remember before I got that job, I was really, really excited because I had been, um, I'd been teaching English before that. And I was so excited to actually, you know, have the opportunity to work in the, the area of making the content rather than just teaching with the content that somebody else had made. I was so excited. And then I got the job and I was like, oh my God, I hate this. I hate, you know, like, this is, this is not what I thought it was going to be. This is not as fulfilling as I thought it was going to be. Da, 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 da. Anyway, it was, yeah. Um, it helped me to better shape, um, you know, what I, what I wanted to do and how I wanted to move forward in my career. But I also felt a little bit trapped because, you know, while you can quit a job at any time, it, that's, that's not entirely true depending on what your financial situation was. And back then I couldn't just up sticks and tell my employer to fuck off and, you know, go and, I don't know, find a new job or, or wander around the world for a while like I can now. I just, yeah, I, I, I felt really trapped and it, I needed like to put a whole bunch of things in place before I could actually get out of that working environment, which was, was really stressful. Anyway, so hopefully you have a more cheery story. I mean, I have good memories of that stuff too, but it's, yeah, that's the, the thing I remember most is, is getting a job that I was super, super excited to, to get. And then, you know, fast forward a month later be, and thinking to myself, oh God, I hate this. I hate everything about this. Um, so yeah, that's my story. What's yours? I suppose, you know, another way of looking at this as, as far as work is concerned with the, you know, a, a way of looking at, um, those, those chunks looking back 10 years is to avoid falling into that narrative that we do sometimes when we're, we're thinking at work and that, you know, um, that phrase, as soon as fill in the blank, then I'll be fine. Or then everything will be fine. Or as soon as I da da da, then things will slow down. Or as soon as I get blah, 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 or make so much money, whatever, everything will be good. Um, I'm sure that you have, that you've heard of this, this study that was done, I think in 2010, uh, by some uh, researchers coming out of Princeton. And it was, it was a study done around the level of happiness that people felt versus the, their earnings, their salary. And the conclusion was that happiness levels essentially level off after you make roughly 75,000 US a year. Um, which for some people is a huge amount of money in comparison to what they're making now, right? Um, it's all relative. But actually, it turns out that it's not exactly that simple. Uh, I'll, I'll put a bunch of links to some more studies in the show notes here. But the long and short of it is basically that humans 
will report being happier when they are connected to others and when they don't sweat the small stuff. So in order to not sweat the small stuff, obviously you're going to need to make a certain amount of money, right? So I would say it's probably, uh, it's likely more accurate to say that once you have your, your, you know, that um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, once you have that basic, that foundational stuff met, like your um, housing, uh, food security, once you have those needs met, then yeah, money isn't going to continue to do much for your emotional, your emotional well-being beyond that point, right? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I, I don't think any amount of money will help you to know yourself better, um, and nor will any amount of money give you more, uh, you know, self-compassion or no amount of money will make you feel more connected in your relations, your relationships to others. Um, so, you know. I mean, unfortunately, all that all that stuff comes from really uncomfortable exercises like, you know, going inward and reflecting and questioning potentially very long held beliefs and, um, you know, frameworks that were possibly very unuseful, but you thought they were quote unquote true this whole time and having those uprooted. That's the kind of stuff that uh, that gives you that sort of useful, helpful motivational question mark insight and no amount of money can buy you that i mean just look at jeff bezos for god's sakes okay i fear we've sort of wandered away from the the thesis statement of this episode as per usual um so let let me just okay let's remember what is the goal of of this um exercise that we're doing today basically it's to help you reframe your professional self in a way that is more aware and more compassionate okay because you know i mean essentially we're we're interested in increased self-awareness and, and increased self-compassion um as it helps us function much much better in life in general but also much much better at work right so that's that's our that's our clear-sighted vision right now right okay so how can we how can we do this what are the steps that we can take the tangible steps that we can take in order to um improve this right step one as always is to start by setting aside time and space for the necessary re reflection okay not a huge amount of time mind i you know i'm aware that some of you listening um have kids and um, or, or really, really demanding jobs. And, and that's, that's fine and fair, but you know, you're still you, you still got to put your oxygen mask on first, etc. So when I say time, I mean, you know, make sure that you have a 15 to 20 minute window where you're not going to be interrupted, you know, put your phone on silent and all that kind of thing. Um, so it's also really helpful a lot of the time to make sure that you're, you're set up, right? Like you, you have a space where nobody's going to interrupt you. Uh, physical space. Nobody's going to interrupt you for 15, 20 minutes. Your phone's on silent. Um, you know, if if you can't be in a, a quiet place, like if you live in the middle of a noisy city or something, pop on some headphones and put on some whooshy ocean sounds or whatever. And make sure you have everything you need to stay still and do that thing for 20 minutes. So you've got your writing prompts, you've got some paper, you've got a pen or whatever. Okay. So get, get yourself set up uh, with the, the time and space that you need for uh, successful uh, reflective practice, right? Consideration number two. 
if you are not particularly enthused about the, you know, the exercise of, of writing, i.e. like pushing a pen across a piece of paper, um, you can also do this as a spoken exercise that you record and then you listen back to. Just, I mean, honestly, just thinking through the process is is less effective though because you know we tend to get tangled up in our minds as our minds are our messy places and and a lot of our our thoughts are really hard to organize at because you are thinking as other thoughts are coming through and you're trying to remember stuff anyway it, it gets really convoluted up there so while you can do it as a thinking process if you're able to do write because it helps again it helps with organization and if you hate writing well then at least speak yourself through it and then go back and listen to it so you can get a better handle on things right okay so you've got the paper you've got the pens you've got the headphones on with the waves crashing in the background kids are occupied uh phones on silent everything's ready to go so what are you actually going to write well if you can't just write free flow in any way that's useful to you, do not panic. I have got some prompts for you. Well, I've got some questions actually. So I'll go through these and do feel free to pause and write them down. Again, they're all written in the, the show notes and those are on my Patreon. So you can go there and download those uh, and use those to help you as well. All right, question the first. Where was I 10 years ago? Where did I live? Uh, with whom did I spend most of my time? What feelings about where I was living did I have at that time? Okay. So sort of locate yourself first, I think. Question two, what was my job? I.e., you know, what was the, the name of it? What was the role? Um, what did I do from day to day? Um, and what made me take that job in the first place? Why did I take it on? Why did I say yes when the offer came through? Question three, who did I work with that made a lasting impression on me? And why was that impression lasting? Now, this can be a positive or a negative uh, or both. Perhaps there were a few people that you worked with who left a lasting impression on you. Question four, what did I spend my time worrying about related to work back then? And did I have the mantra, as soon as I get la la la, then everything will be okay. And if I had that narrative back then, what did I fill it up with? How did I, how did I frame that 10 years ago? Question five. Where am I now in relation to where I was then? And how have I changed professionally in my humble opinion? How am I different? What are the major changes that I can see in myself? And question six and the final question, what am I excited about when I think of the next 10 years and all of the possibilities that exist within them? And in this question, you can really let yourself loose. Okay, dreams, you can actually do a couple of different categories, dreams, um, you can do um, sort of second career category if you want, if you want a career change. Um, you can also do like very pragmatic things as well. So, um, sort of mapping approaches, things like that. 
But yeah, what, what excites you in the prospect of the next 10 years with regards to your, your professional self? Okay, so those are the six questions. As I said, they are downloadable and you can um, use those as uh, prompts and a guide for, for writing. Now, when we are trying to recall what was going on 10 years ago, like I said at the top of this episode, that might be a little bit more challenging, challenging than you would think because, you know, things tend to get all, all muddled up together. So if you, you know, if you have been using the same email for a while, do, do what I did. Um, go and search back for like a period of time 10 years ago. <laughs> and if you could stomach it, read through some of the things that you had, some exchanges that you have with people. I mean, while that's only a snippet into one area of your life, um, especially depending on whether you're the emails that you're reading through are work related or personal life related or whatever, um, it, it at least should like anchor you a little bit more uh, clearly in, in that stage, right? Also, in that last question that I said, you know, um, what are you excited about when you're thinking about your uh, work life 10 years from now. Um, if you get a little bit lost when you're thinking about the future like that, it, it might be of some use to think about your purpose. Um, and when I say purpose, I mean, think about what makes you, what makes you feel like you, right? Like I feel fully myself when I, whatever, um, or I feel, um, you know, I feel alive when I do the following. Um, so think about your purpose and consider what that might look like in a way that, you know, either generates income or leads to certain kind of, of things that work related that align with, with your purpose. Um, there's a really good video by, um, the school of life and I'll link that, um, in the show notes as well. Um, and it goes through like another writing, uh, exercise to, to narrow down some things like that, like things that, that, um, make you feel fully yourself and then how you can then extend that into thinking about work. The other thing is, you know, speaking of purpose, if you, you know, if you have a job that sort of takes care of the rent and the bills and the fun and the frivolities, uh, that's great. Not every, not every job needs to be a calling. Not every job needs to have huge, deep purpose. I mean, if the purpose is to keep the lights on, fantastic. Um, you can, you can fill up your free time with your purpose stuff, right? Like, you know, work schmirk, who cares? You're not failing if you're, if you're nine to five isn't exactly, you know, what you would call a, well, a, a calling, I suppose. Um, it's fine if it just, if it just gets you to a space where you can actually do the fun stuff around the sides of it. So there we have it, a little writing exercise that you can do every so often. I don't know. Um, depends on where you are and how, how quickly you have developments in uh, your professional self. Like I said, I tend to move around and change jobs every few years. Um, so I do this quite often. Um, but yeah, a little a little writing exercise to to give you a little bit more self awareness and also to give your to develop some more self compassion um, as you see yourself, you know, doing the best that you can do with what you have at any given time. I think to bear a few things in mind as well might be um, a little bit helpful. You know, when it comes to 
your career, being confused is okay and is normal. And I think that perhaps these days, more so than many times in the past, that is, that is very, very much the experience of most people, right? I think it's very rare to have the sort of trajectory that people used to have, um, you know, 50 years ago when it, when it comes to career. Um, I think it's very common to go through several shifts and several, you know, sort of life quakes that affect your, your career and its movements. Um, and the nature of work itself has changed quite a bit as well. So, you know, being a bit confused and mixed up, you know, perfectly normal. You're not alone. You have a lot of great company around you. So that's one important thing to bear in mind. I think also it's important to, you know, if you, if you find yourself fretting a lot about you, you're, it's taking you too long to find the right thing or nothing ever seems to fit or whatever. Well, okay, fine. But remember that it does take time, but it also takes thought. Like you, you know, it might feel a bit contrived to sit down and sort of force yourself through these um, writing exercises, but um, often you need something like that. You need that kind of structure in order to understand all the noise that's going on in your head. Okay. So, so finding the right thing is going to take some time. It's going to take some thought, but it's also going to take some doing, right? Some working through. Also, I suppose, you know, the, the fear of failure is something to be, to be, um, not ignored completely, but just, just downsized maybe like put in the appropriate size box and then put that box on the appropriate shelf in, in the appropriate corner of your brain. Um, so what I mean is like, um, imposter syndrome and, and those sorts of things that creep into your head that, that make you fear things and then prevent you from going after certain jobs or, um, the, the, those processes that you go through where you're sort of self-selecting, right? Like you don't bother to apply because you think, well, I'm never going to get it anyway. And even if I did get it, it probably wouldn't be da, 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 all those kinds of things. So, you know, don't let that help you or sorry, don't let that hinder you go for it anyway. If you don't hear back, fine, consider it practice. Um, if you do hear back and the interview goes poorly, fine. Again, that was a learning opportunity. Um, or if, you know, you, you find yourself in a job and a couple of, a couple of months into it, you realize that you hate it, um, or that you, you know, it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. It's not a prison sentence. You can leave, you can, you can go and, and pursue something else. Um, I mean, obviously it's not, it's easier said than done, but you know, I suppose what I'm trying to say is don't, don't let those fears, whether it's fear of failure or fear of something going wrong or whatever, don't, don't let that hold you back as, you know, as the only reason that you're not doing something, right? And a final point, if I may, you know, you 10 years ago, the, the 10 years ago, you likely worried about stuff that you probably never think about now, right? And also 10 years ago, you hadn't even considered things that you routinely take for granted these days. Okay. So if that's the case, then imagine 10 years from now, you, right? Imagine that the things that you're worrying about now, 10 years from now, you won't think about. And also things that you haven't considered right now, 
are things that are going to exist in your life 10 years from now that'll just be routine and lovely. So I suppose this is a bit of a reminder that, you know, as always, all things are temporary. Nothing is permanent. Um, you are an ever growing and shifting garden, as I told you in a previous episode. And uh, yeah, that's going to take on some some wonderful, beautiful forms that you don't even know about right now. You're just you're just planting in the seeds and watering the soil. If you know what I mean. Right. I want to thank you very much for tuning in and listening today. As always, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your energy and I appreciate your ears. Please share this episode or any others that you have found useful so that other people may also find them useful and we can all continue on our very long journey into a professional space that doesn't make us want to scream. I hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. Bye.